How do I book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildlink Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I am Grace. I'm Mary Payton. And I'm Christina. And today we are talking about retellings and the different uh, retellings that we've seen and sort of the emergence of this genre within the last 10 years or so. What do you mean by retellings? Ooh. Basically, we've seen a lot of mythological retellings, fairy tale retellings. Um, so just kind of flipping on its head sort of the original, you know, source material. For example, there's Cinder by Marissa Meyer, which is, Christina, you've read that one, right? Oh yeah, I, that's a four book series and it's incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so can you can you tell us what that one was a retelling of? Yeah, so it's there. It's four books and each one is a retelling of like a different fairy tale. But the first one, Cinder, is surprise, surprise, a Cinderella retelling. Um, and it is set in New Beijing, and um, the main character Cinder, I guess is her name. I don't really read it like several years ago, but um. Instead of, like, a glass slipper that she loses, she has a, a whole-ass prosthetic leg. <laughs> yeah. That mm-hmm. is, like, used in place of the <laughs> of the glass slipper, which is incredibly cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think all of these original myths, you know, and fairy tales that we grew up with uh, didn't have a lot of representation, we could say. They were all about white men? Is that uh, what you're... They were all about white men, definitely focused on men, definitely focused on... Um, white people um and so i think that we've seen this sort of emergence in retellings within the last 10 years or so uh because we do want to see the different perspectives that were present but just not focused on uh in many cases in those um tales and so sort of an opportunity now to get those voices out there and to kind of explore those stories that we haven't been able to in the past yeah, the voices in those stories that were not like the focus um, right. of the original. Yeah, I know, uh, you know, now that I'm in my like 30s, pretty much all classic Disney, I go back and rewatch it and I'm like, wow, I love The Little Mermaid, but I wish it wasn't so, so problematic. And yeah. I think that's what these retellings are doing is giving us these stories that we love because they're part of our like cultural uh, culture. <laughs> <laughs> But like giving it to us in a way that makes sense to a modern audience. Yes. If you're interested in, in telling those stories and and exploring what a retelling might look like, there's like some different ways to go about it. Because you don't want to just like write The Little Mermaid again. No. What's <laughs> yeah. the point of that? Still have like a 22-year-old rich prince, uh, you know, trying to, to woo like a 14-year-old without a voice or clothing. Um, <laughs> like. You want to make it better, right? You want to make it better. So, yeah, there's there's some things you can do to help make sure you are doing your retelling thoughtfully. Yeah. Yes. Re- the word retelling is a little bit of... Uh, like a misnomer? 
Wow. Yeah. Misleading. Yes. Misguided. <laughs> Misindependent. I'm just so good at talking. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely misleading because retelling to me has a connotation of being like just repeating. Yeah. But even even changing the wording a little bit and saying something like rewriting, I feel like is more accurate because you're literally choosing to change aspects of the story in order to tell a different story. Yeah, you know, or maybe like reframing. Reframing, mm, yes. Reframing. I love that. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm an editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a great place to start if you're thinking about writing one of these reframing stories is to start with doing some research. You have to really know the original story to become familiar with the aspects that you are most interested in changing for a modern audience. Yeah. So that is a great place to start. If you're thinking about writing one of these, you probably already have a story in mind and and maybe a character in mind that you would like to focus on. So that's really great. But just make sure you're just really familiar so that you can adapt it. And like, I think it's really important to do your research thoroughly. I, I alluded to Disney's The Little Mermaid earlier, and it's like watching Disney's The Little Mermaid is not sufficient research on that fairy tale because right. like that's based on an on an a much much older fairy tale collected by Hans Christian Andersen and it's like so much more terrible <laughs> like so much more horrific than than the really upsetting Disney movie so it's like you don't you don't only want to like respond and react to like the most recent alternative retelling like you want to go back to the source material and be like what is like the root problem with this story yeah and how am I going to fix it? Yeah, you got to fix it. And plus, like anything, you know, before you decide to launch into this, this retelling or story in general, you want to know that someone hasn't already done it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so true. So if your point in rewriting Little Mermaid is you want to make it really gruesome, someone's already done that. That's how it started. So yeah, or like if you have a really great idea to tell like a really raw, honest uh, story about the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus, and you're like, I'm gonna make it so sweet and tender and YA and gay. I'm so sorry to tell you this. (laughs) But that does already exist. (laughs) (laughs) And you should read it. Yeah. Oh yeah, read it. Oh, that's a great point, Mary Payton. (laughs) Definitely read other retellings. Read other retellings. That book that I just mentioned is The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, just in case you do want to read it. <laughs> great book. <laughs> very, great book. very beautiful book. All right. And so after you do some source material kind of research, you want to focus on a voice from the story that you want to amplify. So, you know, if you're trying to retell from the same perspective, it's going to be really hard to make your retelling anything new. But what you want to do is maybe find a character that's not one of the one of the main characters, a lesser known character. Yeah. And I, I do think Patroclus from A Song of Achilles is like a great example of like a character that was kind of lost to history a little bit. But the author's like, oh, I want to talk about this character. Yeah. And that can be really that can be a lot more fun, too, because you have more wiggle room. You have more creative license um, to think and to take on the perspective of this lesser known character and figure out what their motives are that we don't see in the original tale. 
Yeah, and I, Grace, you had mentioned Ariadne by Jennifer Saint, and I, mm-hmm. I think this is maybe like a good time to stop and talk about that book. Grace and I both read this book uh, kind of recently, and it's it's really interesting the way that it like both does and doesn't do the things that we've been saying so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. So Ariadne is a retelling of like the myth of Jason and the labyrinth. Is it Jason? I feel like I keep getting that wrong. Some I dude. I think it was Jason. The, I don't. I don't know if it was Jason, but. Ah oh, man, who's the I other know. guy? Who's the other guy? Theseus. Theseus. Oh, yes, that's what it is. I haven't done my research. Okay. <laughs> We're not doing a retelling right now. Okay. <laughs> Ariane is the retelling of the Theseus and the Minotaur and the Labyrinth yes. myth. But like in the original myth, Ariadne is a character that didn't play a huge. I mean, she played a huge role, but she like did not really get the spotlight. Why? Because she was a young woman. (laughs) So this book by Jennifer Saint is like, what if we centered Ariadne's story? And that's so cool because she is like the crux of the, the original myth. Theseus only could make it out of the labyrinth because of Ariadne's help. Her like very concrete help. She like defected from her entire family in order to provide him with, like, a way out of the labyrinth and, like, run away with him, pretty much. And so, in classical myth, that's Theseus' story about how he was so smart that he got a woman to betray her family, and then he betrayed her! Um, Whoa, what a great guy! So fun. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) So, Jennifer Saint's retelling did everything right. It was like, what if we center Ariadne and her story? And, like, this was, like, a really nice book it was very pleasant to read but like what it didn't do was like elevate Ariadne Mm -hmm. it was like let's watch these terrible things happen to this woman from her perspective instead of like adding something new to the story making her a more powerful character um something we talked about when we were reading it is that Ariadne has a lesser known sister named Phaedra who was like a huge force of nature in this book and like why wasn't the book from her perspective because she had Mm -hmm. a lot of interesting things going on her role in this myth, myth so much more strongly like lends itself to a contemporary narrative of like a strong heroine. Yeah, it definitely felt like Ariadne was a vessel. A vessel for the story. <laughs> for the yeah. story and not an active kind of participant, which is, you know, it could have been done better. We talked about it at the book club. Yeah. <laughs> but it did do a couple things right. And yeah. so it's good to, it's good to read uh, a bunch of different ones and figure out what you want to accomplish in your own retelling yeah and like think really hard about what voice it is what theme it is in this original myth that you want to amplify and it might not always be the obvious answer it might not be might not always be like the woman it could be like a much lesser known character you know like like someone who you're not even thinking of because their story was so underrepresented and it could be that you start writing about a character and then you're like wait like you know this other character is so much more interesting which i think protagonist i have the wrong protagonist (laughs) which is like wow that'll shake you to your core but (laughs) it's a beautiful moment that's like the worst (laughs) the worst best (laughs) feeling as a writer is being like i figured out what's wrong with it oh my god so satisfying and then being like oh i have to rewrite the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah so maybe figure it out before you've written the whole thing but (laughs) <laughs> it's okay to explore a little bit and to kind of maybe write up a bunch of different character uh, descriptions and yeah. like, you know, 
I don't know. Just there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of figure it out. But we recommend taking the time to do that. Yeah. And you just have to think about your audience, too. Like, who are you writing this for? Are you if you're writing Ariadne for like millennial women? I mean, you want to tell a story of like champion that those kinds of people can really get behind, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's something else to consider when you're trying to figure out like from what perspective you want to tell this story. Yeah. What are some other, because uh, I know that you guys have discussed, we've discussed like different retellings that maybe do do things right with their main character. What are some other ones that you guys have, have read that you would shout out? Did I say the song of Achilles? Because the song you of did. Achilles. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure that I have mentioned Solid. the song of Achilles. Um, I honestly haven't read that many. I've read The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Gornacek. I remember thinking that that one was really good. I read it pretty shortly after I read Ariadne, and mm -hmm. I remember feeling so much better about the agency that the main character had um, in The Witch's Heart. The Witch's Heart chose a witch from mythology to be the main character, whereas Ariadne chose, like, the king's daughter slash Theseus's, not wife. He doesn't marry her. Did he marry her? Did he say he's going to marry her? Oh, no. Ariadne? Yeah, whatever, whatever. Okay. So, like, centering, like, this really powerful, like, witch character in the witch's heart, I think, made it super appealing to a modern audience. Millennials are obsessed with, with witchcraft as a concept. Um, we're really into Norse history. I think that, uh, I think, you know, that that could probably be a whole other podcast episode. But I think I think that um, our generation's obsession with North, Norse mythology and history really is, like, I want something exotic, but still white. You know what I mean? Um, so that's like that's like its whole own thing. But like the witch's heart just had this super badass main character. And I think that did so much for that book. One book that I read really recently is called um, Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Barron. Um, and I think that's a super interesting fairy tale retelling. First of all, the word using the word retelling for what this did with the Cinderella myth is just wrong. It is not a Cinderella story retelling. Like that is not what happens in this book. Cinderella is Dead uses the Cinderella myth as a backdrop. The Cinderella story is this world's like religion. Like the Cinder the events of the original fairy tale are like their like uh events from the Bible, you know, to a Christian and like the text of the fairy tale is like their sacred literature and they all like try to act in a way that is representative of the way that Cinderella got like swept off her feet um, by this Prince Charming. So it's like a very patriarchal society where women don't have a lot of agency because they're like worshiping this original uh, Cinderella fairy tale. Wow. But the book is about a lesbian woman of color who is trying to like navigate this world that's been created like by the Cinderella myth. So I think that's like a great example of like, I want to write something that pays um, homage to Cinderella, but like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not touching the Cinderella fairy tale because it's a nightmare. And it actually, Cinderella is dead really tears apart that original fairy tale. And is like, what if it wasn't the way you perceived? What if the stepsisters weren't evil? They were just written down as evil. And like, what mm -hmm. if this happened because of the patriarchy um, and stuff like that? So like Cinderella is dead is probably the most, most contemporary, most accessible fairy tale retelling. It's a total restructuring of it. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. You should all read that. Book. I want to read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So obviously, there are a bunch of different ways uh, to go about writing a retelling. 
Christine or Mary Payton, did you have any uh, anything else to add? So we kind of touched on this earlier, but making sure that you're retelling, like making sure that you understand what your message is, what your purpose is in retelling or reframing or restructuring or whatever. And that's, of course, true with any book that you write. You got to make sure you have a clear message. What's the point of putting a story out there if you don't really have, you know, a real purpose in getting it to your readers? So making sure that you're not just retelling a story or telling from a different character's perspective just because you like the original tale, but because there's a reason to to change things up and to flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're um, contributing something new. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of, this is a really basic, very basic analogy, but like sometimes you hear a cover of an original song and, you know, it's some original song that is a classic everyone loves and a new band decides to cover it and they don't really do anything with it. They don't, yeah. you know, they're never going to be the original. So you can't just retell something and hope that you can do it as well. You're not going to. Right. You've got to have something else that you can add to it. You have to have a reason that you think that you have something new and a fresh perspective to put on it. Yeah. And that's why you can't just be like, I'm going to do a Cinderella retelling and then just start it. It's like you have to spend six months reading every other of the like hundreds of Cinderella retellings and asking yourself very seriously if you are contributing anything to the Cinderella conversation. Because and I'm using that example specifically because the answer is you probably have nothing new to add to the Cinderella conversation. Like just about everything has been said about Cinderella and maybe we should stop remaking the movies, too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to pick a myth that's so popular that it's like I could I could read a thousand different Cinderella retellings. But something like the tale of Ingraboda from The Witch's Heart is something that I had never heard before. Yeah. Don't oversaturate the market. (laughs) Don't oversaturate the market. Do all things with intention and like just, yeah, really know why. Why are you doing this? And that's how you book. This episode was written by Grace Ball and edited by Christina Kahn. Logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Theme music produced by Jason Hilton.